What's up, guys? Welcome to Social Bamboo Podcast, episode 142. On today's episode, I'm going to be telling you about why my first invention didn't work. Essentially, it failed. I'm going to tell you why it didn't really make me feel like a failure in the end, and I'm going to be talking about the three major reasons why it didn't work. Um, on top of that, if you want to head over to YouTube, I actually have it with me. I'm going to be like holding it up and doing a little bit with it. I'm not doing like a full demo because it's really not about that. I'll, I'll put some like video footage up of it, of it working and such, but I also do have it here. If you want to see it, then head over to YouTube if it's available for you. Otherwise, uh, yeah, enjoy the episode and drive safely. guys so to start off let's talk about what the hell did i invent here's how it worked out it's funny because i actually had sat down one day with the intention to just write out as many inventions as i could and then pick which one i wanted to do i basically spent an entire day just focused on like what does the world need just sitting there and this is rarely how inventions are made inventions are usually made by just going about your normal day-to-day life and then some problem comes up and you're like wait that should be solved and then you you try to come up with it, right? And um, that's kind of how it happened, but it's just really funny because I was literally sitting down writing out as many invention ideas as I could. And I was totally spent. I didn't like any of the ideas that I had on paper. I laid back down on the couch and was ready to call it quits for the day. And then I remembered that I still needed to feed my fish tank. So jokingly, I had said, Alexa, feed the fish. And she said, This might answer your question. According to Wikipedia, Many species of fish are consumed as food in virtually all regions around the world. Alexa, stop. So I couldn't really get the the answer I wanted from her, but it got me thinking, wait, does that exist? Because it seems like a practical product to have. And I got to researching, and it turns out there wasn't any kind of um, Amazon Echo compatible fish feeders, and there wasn't even ones that you could feed from your phone, and like through through like a mobile app. And it just sounded like something that needed to exist in the 21st century. This was also a year that Gary Vaynerchuk kept coming out to the public and saying, make sure to invent Alexa compatible devices. So I was like, oh my God, it's like a calling. I've that's matching up. So I'm not an inventor. I'm just the idea guy and the marketer and the business. And, you know, it turns out a bunch more things later that I had to learn, but I wasn't able to invent this. However, I did have a buddy that was mastering in robotics at the time. I had met him at my sales job because every meaningful connection I have at this point has been met through my sales occupations or from entrepreneurship. There's not anyone that I speak to from college on a business standpoint, because when you go to college, you usually just talk to so many other people who are going to you know, become salary workers someday that they're rarely meaningful connections if you go into business. So please, dear God, if you are trying to be a business owner and you think college is going to be a great place to network, it's one of the worst places to network to find actual people who are going to turn into business owners someday. So no connections there, but I did develop a connection from when I sold Cutco knives. And, uh, you know, he wasn't, he had sales experience, which is great, but I knew he was mastering in robotics. I called him up. I told him what the idea was. He was all about it. 
he was like, dude, I can invent that real quick or, you know, get the first prototype out. And he did like within like a week or two, we had our first prototype that he had 3D printed. And uh, we went on and on and on to eventually produce a more later prototype, which was this guy. So it clamps on to the fish tank wall like that. These screws can make this thing adjust. And then this just clamps on like so. The food comes out the top. You got your fish feeder here, uh, or like where you put all of the food on the top there. And uh, yeah, so eventually we did make it so it could work with Alexa. So um, I'll put like a video clip right here so you can see it doing a feeding using the Echo, um, the Amazon Echo. I'm going to say Amazon Echo from now on because I, I have one of them in my room. So if I say the A-L-E-X-A word, it's going to speak up. So I'm just going to say Amazon Echo from here. But uh, yeah, so it worked. And we got our buddy to start inventing an app on it because we had some friends that did apps. And I'm going to be speaking about that in a little bit here. But it seems like a pretty practical invention, right? So let's go over the three major reasons why it didn't work. Reason number three is basically the most conclusive that even if one and two weren't problems, if three was still a problem, this thing wouldn't work. So these first two aren't going to be as big as number three. Uh, but yeah, the first major reason that this product didn't work is because we were overly optimistic with our research. So that night that I came up with the idea, I was doing all this research on Amazon and checking sales numbers. I use a program called Jungle Scout so I can see like what products are selling on Amazon. And I did that to look at automatic fish feeders and pet feeders and stuff like that. So I went on to dogs and cats and I found that they did have the Amazon Echo compatible cat and dog feeder and you could feed them with an app and they were selling millions a month. I also typed in just Alexa compatible products and looked at the data there and saw that a ton of Alexa compatible products were selling a ton. And I took both of those as kind of proof, like, oh my God, it's going to work, right? Like Alexa compatible products in general are selling and then automatic cat and dog feeders more so was where I was like, all right, if those would sell, why wouldn't the fish feeder one? It just made so much sense to me. The other thing that I did is, you know, tell some people about the idea, which, by the way, guys, if you have an invention idea or a business idea and you're like, I don't want to tell someone, you're fine. Like, just you can tell the world. You can post about it everywhere. Like, someone would have to go out and invent it, not just have the idea, right? So we were telling people and uh, they were like, that's awesome. I can't believe that doesn't exist. And that was also we were letting that translate into more and more confidence. We also did a survey for the product and uh, I basically cold DM'd a bunch of aquarists and said, hey, we're coming out with an aquarium smart feeder. We'd love your input. Could you fill out the survey? And uh, the people that were filling out the survey when I asked how much would you pay for this, like the average cost was like 70, 80 bucks. People were putting like 150 $200 is what they'd pay for it. And we really took that as our proof that, hey, we should at least be able to sell it for 60 bucks. But the problem with doing surveys and asking people what they would pay for it is that it's not actually asking them for their money. So when someone says, hey, that thing's worth 70 bucks, and then you say, hey, would you pay 70 bucks for it right now? They say, well, it's worth 70 bucks, but I've got other things to buy. And that's the thing. A product can be worth its price and still not get any sales because it has to be more worth its price than all of the other things that they could buy. Every comp, every business is in general competition with each other for people's limited amount of money. So even though someone's like, that thing's got to be worth 120 bucks, it didn't mean that that's what they would actually 
pay for it. And that's what we kind of saw later once we actually tried to start moving some units is that it was really like pulling teeth when we were trying to charge like over a hundred bucks. It just really wasn't going to happen. And it, we, we did need to be able to charge over $60 or even like 70 or 80 if we were going to be able to consistently sell this thing at a profit and scale uh, when we did our numbers. So uh, yeah, that was essentially the first thing that we did wrong is overly optimistic research. When you have a great idea, like this, this is a great idea, right? Like it probably should exist. It's just, it didn't make sense from a manufacturer, manufacturer and selling standpoint, which means that it probably won't exist or it, the company that does make it will be like a big company that's established. That's just a lot easier for them to get it to production and they don't have to like accumulate an audience from scratch. And, and all that good stuff, right? So, hey, if you want to steal my idea, go for it. I don't care. We're still the first uh, people to ever invent it. So I'm calling it our invention. And we're the inventors of the world's first aquarium smart feeder. By the way, the guy's name is Mark Bourgeois. He's an incredible business partner. So I was very stoked to have him on board. And that actually brings me to my second reason why it failed is the people that we hired. And Mark is not one of them. I got to say, Mark is the best business partner that I've ever worked with. It's pretty hard for someone like me who loves to work all the time to find a business partner who's actually going to hold up their end of the bargain. And within a week of working on it, like I said, Mark already had a prototype for me. I'd call this guy at 1am and say, Hey, I'm sorry to call, but I had a question. He's like, Oh, it's all good. I'm working on a 3d print design right now like he was always working i would recommend a book to this dude and he would have read the whole thing a couple days later so like mark was an incredible business partner and he was not at all the reason why it didn't work or even why production was slow however when you're a new business the idea of oh i got a friend that can do that is so appealing and this is where it kind of screwed us up because it really hampered the speed of our business all right so the first hire we did was like a friend who's like a photographer great like come take pictures of our products um basically when he was inventing the smart feeder i said cool i'm gonna build an a company in the aquarium space and I'm going to drop ship. I'm going to do Amazon FBA. I'm going to affiliate market. I literally did so many different things. Print on demand. We sold probably over 30 different products uh, over the, the span of the business. And uh, yeah, so he was working on that product and I'm like, I'm going to go try to generate as much money and build a brand while you're inventing that, right? But for some of our first products, we hired a photographer to come out and photograph those for our website because we knew it was super important. And he took some great pictures and then we got him a couple weeks later. Okay. Then I had a friend that is an app designer and he was pretty good. Actually, he was able to design our app for a, a good price and, you know, it took him a couple weeks. And after that, we still needed to make some tweaks and going back and forth was still really difficult because when you hire people who have a salary or a normal day job, the average person, which makes literally no sense to me, they want to take the day off when they get home. I don't know why, but then they get to the weekend and they also think that they get to have the time off. And I don't get that, right? If you have a project that needs to be worked on, why are you watching TV? So they don't have the mentality that I was expecting them to have. And entrepreneurs, we really think the world thinks like us and you're going to be very disappointed to learn they don't. But also that's why you're an entrepreneur and why you have such an advantage for running a business is because you don't have that kind of mentality. So they would just, 
you know, I'd message them in the evenings and I know they're off work. And if they didn't really feel like working on it that night, I'm not going to hear from them. While we're over here, you know, working our asses off, just waiting for the next part of the project to get done. And the speed of your business is largely determined by the slowest member of your group. Now, the person that we had the biggest problem with was the app programmer because app programming, that's a very expensive job to hire out. It would have been over $10,000 to create this app. So that's why we're like, okay, you've got a friend that programs apps during the day. Let's see if we can make him do it. And this guy just went so MIA on us so many times. We'd be like, hey, can we get a progress update? We were never getting anything from this dude. It was so slow. He was building it like every once in a while. But hey, if it was his weekend time and he didn't feel like it, I guess he didn't have a moral obligation to getting shit done. It's not like we weren't paying him anything, uh, but we had like a royalty deal with him. We were paying him some money and then we had a royalty deal to pay him like a dollar for like every unit sold and such like that. And if you hire people whose sole job is not to do what you hired them for, and you're trying to get them to do it like, hey, exchange your off time for working on this, it's just going to be very difficult. And when they're your friends, you would think like you're going to get great communication out of them. But it kind of, you know, that if they don't want to do it, they're not going to do it in that moment. And they don't really care. So it can hamper friendships. It, it's not great idea to hire friends just because they can do the job. And just know that the speed of your business will be the slowest member of your team. Now, it took us a little over two years to come to a conclusion on whether this product was going to work or not. And we finally pulled the plug. Now, we would have been able to come to that conclusion probably a year sooner if we had hired a company for like $10,000 to make the app, because obviously we weren't trying to sell the product until the app was done. And we got so many delivery dates. Hey, I'll have it done in a month. I'll have it done in two months. I'll have it done in three months and would just never get met by this guy. So we let it drag on too long. It's really hard to pull the plug on something that you've like already let the guy do half of the work on. And it's like, well, shit, like, are you going to get it done? And you just want to trust them so bad when they say, I promise I'll get it done. But this guy just could not hit a single delivery date. And then when it was finally done and we could get it out, then we were like, oh, hey, it doesn't work, right? So would have been better to pay someone $10,000 to find out our idea didn't work in one year rather than pay our friend $2,500 to get it done in two years. Absolutely, dude. $7,500, that's like a year of our life right there. You really have to start adapting the phrase time is money because it is. Literally, if we had $7,500 to know that our idea wasn't going to work a year earlier, we wouldn't even be making money, right? It would just literally be spending $7,500 to know, hey, our idea doesn't work just so we can learn it a year before. And that's right there would have been so much more worth it because we would have made so many different moves had we not been putting more and more money, resources, time, just paying this guy, nagging this guy, letting him drive us crazy that we can't get a hold of him for like a week sometimes. And then he'll hit us back with like, sorry, I was out of state, blah, blah, blah. I don't give a shit. It takes 30 seconds to send a fucking text message. So don't give people the benefit of the doubt. If they're a shit worker, cut them right away. Okay, they, they can have all the ability in the world. Someone who with mild ability and a great work ethic will outperform someone with amazing skill sets and shit work ethic every single time. So just because they're your friends, just because they can do it, your company is not to be nice to people. It's not to be like, oh, it's, I'll hire all my friends. Like, 
if you can get in that situation, awesome. I have a buddy that has hired so many of our friends to work at his company and it's going great. And like, that's a totally different kind of thing. Like he's paying him hourly and it's super legit. This isn't like, Hey, we're a startup company trying to hire our friend. We'll give you a royalty t- deal. You know, he just couldn't get on board at the level we needed to. So that was one of the reasons why, not that it failed, but why it took us more than two years to realize that it was going to fail. Here is the third thing, and by far the biggest thing, is that the product didn't solve a big enough problem. This is what you need to always consult. when If you're inventing something that doesn't solve a problem, even if it makes so much sense, right? Like, hey, there should probably be you know, a way to feed your fish with a phone. By the way, I'm just going to plug this in real quick just so you can see... You know, we actually did make a. Hey, bar and grill fans, it's Jim with Madhouse Bar Talk, where me and my co-hosts sit around and talk about the things going on around Madhouse Bar and Grill in Elyria, Ohio. The whole conversation is unscripted, uncensored, and unedited. Anywhere where you stream podcasts, just remember, Madhouse Bar Talks, baby. Thing that turns on, (laughs) turns on there. The third thing, and this is the biggest thing by far, like I said, even if one and two weren't issues for us, three made it that we were doomed to fail no matter what, is our product didn't solve a big enough problem. It made a lot of sense that it should exist in the world, right? Like, hey, there should be some kind of way to feed your fish with the phone. Like, there should be an app for everything, right? It just made sense to us like that. But here's why it didn't solve a big enough problem. The reason why the cat and dog feeders sold so well is because people absolutely love the cats and dogs. And if you don't feed your cat or dog for like even a meal, you you feel pretty bad about it, right? Now, if you miss feeding your fish for three to five days, they're probably also going to be alive, actually. They can feed off of algae, and they just don't need to eat nearly as much as the average pet. Most fish, too, for the people who own the majority of aquariums, which are freshwater aquariums that they just purchased from Petco, a lot of those fish are less than a dollar. So even if the fish would die, they, you know, it's not like... They didn't love their fish or whatever, but a lot of times people don't even name their fish. Like there's way less of a bond there. If your fish dies, you're sad about it for like an hour tops, right? (laughs) Unless you're like a saltwater fish owner and you have like this beautiful fish that's been alive for eight years or something. The Petco fish usually only last one to two years, like if you keep up with them perfectly. Um, And here's another reason why people just generally didn't want to use a machine to feed their fish is because... Feeding your fish is one of the few experiences aquarists get with their fish. Like uh, apart from just going up to the glass and looking at it, them actually feeding their fish is one of the few times that they actually get to interact with it, if not the only one. So a lot of people, like if they were home, they would rather just go over, pinch the food, take 20 seconds to do so and watch the fish eat rather than have it be on an auto timer. Uh, the other thing with our device is that we set it up so that you could set up like auto feeding schedules for when you go out of town and such. So let's say that someone was going out of town for a week. Their solutions for taking care of their fish for that week, apart from like getting a neighbor to do it or something like that, is there's a bunch of automatic fish feeders that you can buy in stores that are like 20 bucks. And they are a piece of crap, right? They like you set them to like feed every 12 hours and it just disperses like varying amounts of food, usually totally different amounts. And uh, 
they don't work great. They can malfunction. There's plenty of negative reviews on them. And that's also why we thought, hey, we'll solve this problem. But hey, it's only 20 bucks and it'll it'll probably work. It it probably will, right? And if you're not taking vacations all the time, and this is like just a one-week vacation that you take every one to two years, then hey, here's your $20 solution and your fish will be alive when you get back. The other thing they could do is buy like a couple dollar little feeding block and put that at the bottom of their tank and that will also take care of their fish for a week. So we were looking more for people who were going to be traveling all the time to need a really professional device. And it is nice when you get a notification that your fish were actually fed rather than just having your fingers crossed that the device back at home is working for you. Um, but it just wasn't a $60 problem. It wasn't an $80 problem. It wasn't a $100 problem. It, it's a mosquito bite problem. As they say, you have to find problems that when people see that you have the solution for it, they're like, oh my God, I've been waiting for this my whole life. Okay. It has to be that clear to them that they want to buy it. If you have a thing that like, if you're, if your device is just, it makes sense, but it doesn't solve a nagging problem. Not only will it be very hard for you to get sales at all, um, but it will be nearly impossible for you to get sales through paid advertising. If I was running a Facebook paid ad to try to sell this thing, and I was like, don't you hate when you don't feed your fish for a night? Like it just, there's not a pain point. There's not something that I can just extract someone out of social media and make them buy something during their leisure time, right? So Facebook and Instagram ads for this thing would be nearly impossible to run profitably. And this was all becoming more and more clear as we went. Now, this third problem is also kind of tied to a fourth problem here, but I'm going to rope them together. And that's that I had no interest in aquariums. So kind of weird, right? Like I started this aquarium company, ran it for a few years, and I had literally no interest in aquariums. When I started it, when I said like, hey, I was on the couch and I was like, hey, feed the fish, you know, that kind of tells you what kind of user I was. I wasn't like, oh my God, it's time to interact with my fish. Like I had like a pretty much brown water fish tank that I rarely took care of because it was more of just a decoration in my house. Uh, and I was just like, oh, that's like a cool decoration that's like animated. So that's why I like bought a fish tank. And I thought I really knew the market enough to invent something for it. Now, if I was like a actual hobbyist, then all these problems I would have known to be pretty insignificant before. I would have known, yeah, it's not really something I would ever buy. Um, But, you know, as me as a brand new owner, I was like, well, hey, that would be kind of cool. Would I have bought it? Still, I I wouldn't have bought it. And that's kind of why it was dumb. It was was like, hey, look, if that solution was available right now for $60, would you buy it? And the answer would be, hell no. I'd get off the couch and for 20 seconds and just feed the fish and just deal with it, right? So I didn't have a $60 problem that I was solving. I was solving a, I don't want to get up from the couch and spend 20 seconds to feed my fish kind of problem, which is not a big problem at all. So because I wasn't a hobbyist, it was made it made it a lot harder for me to see that uh, quickly. And by the way, I did like as soon as I committed to this business, I went out and I had three fish tanks within like a month. I had a saltwater tank, I had a beta tank, and then I had like a 30 gallon freshwater tank. I bought tons of plants, I bought all this stuff the works like I totally immersed myself in the market so I could become my customer in that time and if I didn't do that I would have been even more lost Uh, but it became more and more clear to me that hey even when I'm going out of town for a week I'm putting a feeding block in there uh, because 
like at the point that the device was at, I remember one time when I, when I was leaving, I was like, ah, I don't like fully trust it yet. Right. So I would just like, just get a feeding block. So like, even I wasn't even like using my product, but a lot of these things like we're blind to because we're just so tunnel vision on like, I have to make this work, you know, never quit, never give up. And that is absolutely true, guys. You never give up and you never quit. Absolutely. And that's the thing. When people say never quit when in like a sense of opening a business, they mean never quit being an entrepreneur. But you might hop around between multiple businesses time and time again, and it's just normal and it's just totally fine. So let's let's just like recap, guys. This was my first invention failure. Okay, I failed, guys. We really need to come up with a new word for failure because rarely are you going to see an entrepreneur that fails that doesn't know exactly what to do next. Okay, let me say that again. Rarely are you going to find an entrepreneur that fails that doesn't know exactly what to do next. Because why? You're a fucking entrepreneur. You're an innovator. You're coming up with ideas all the time. How would you not have your next idea clear to you immediately? Okay, so please, when when people fear failure, it's so illogical. And when you go through the motions and you go through your failures, you will look back like, wow, I was so dumb to even be scared to start an idea. I don't care that this didn't work. I fucking invented the world's first aquarium smart feeder. Okay, check it out. I'm going to even do a feeding right now just so you know I'm not full of it but um yeah once you plug it in it's just like it will look for an internet connection and obviously I don't have the app um you know up right now so it's not going to find anything so it's going to go red and then it's going to turn blue but let me just show like a quick little demo and then there's a manual feed button on the back shabuya so yeah we invented the world's first aquarium smart feeder and then it didn't work. And I don't go around crying about it to people. I feel great about it. And unless I had started that idea, then I wouldn't have started FBA for, you know, doing um, more aquarium products. I wouldn't have done drop shipping with other aquarium products. I wouldn't have started affiliate marketing. I wouldn't have learned Facebook ads. I wouldn't have invented the giveaway strategy that I'm most known for today. Uh, so like literally everything that I am today is because I pursued this thing. Like if I would not have a podcast had I not pursued this, right? Business failures just open more doors to your next business. It just op- It's like closing a door while also opening so many other doors because now I left that business with all of these skill sets. And when you leave it with all these skill sets, you didn't fail at all. You gained skill sets. You either literally like failure is just gaining skill sets and learning something that doesn't work. You will never feel like a failure unless you quit from it. So just know like, hey, if you're just never gonna quit, if you're just gonna be a business owner, who cares what business owner that is, You've already won. Chill out. You don't need to worry about fear of failure because you're you're literally never going to feel like a failure. If you haven't, hey, guess what? You're still alive and it's not like you can't go back to doing whatever the hell you want to do. But the main thing I want to get across in this podcast is that your your invention can fail and you won't feel like a failure for a second if you have the right mindset about it. If you learn throughout the whole process, you're always just innovating. You come up with new ideas. It will lead you to your next thing. So thank you, Aquarium Smart Feeder, for founding the Social Bamboo Podcast. I hope you guys enjoyed this episode, and I will see you guys next week. 